Welcome to the Yeah Buddy Experience Podcast. If you're looking for a podcast to motivate you and get you on track to overcoming obstacles and challenges, this podcast is definitely for you. Get ready for powerful and inspirational goodness brought to you by your hosts, Mike and Johnny. Yeah, buddy! Record. Johnny, we're back again. Closer, can't hear you. I'm always close. Come on, you can always hear me. I can hear myself. Mm. But we're back on the pod again. Hello, how you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, not too bad. So this is uh, the Year Buddy podcast. This is episode 10. Got that right this time. Episode 10. Um, and today we have the lovely John. <laughs> is he? A. Are you? Mark. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not sure about that introduction. <laughs> handsome man we have here. A handsome Man United fan at that. So before we even started the podcast, we were uh, talking about football. And, and what team do you support there, sir? Uh, well, you know, the only team worth supporting oh. in, the, in the Premier League, Manchester United, the, oh. uh, the Mighty Red Devils. Oh. The Mighty Red Devils. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, what's that saying? Oh, how the Mighty have fallen. Oh, yeah. well, so, there you go. Sleeping Giants. Sleeping, sleeping, sleeping Giants. giants. <laughs> but it's, um, so John, you if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. And you've been into fitness for a long time. Uh, no, no, I, no. It would be, that would be an overstatement. Probably about the last six, seven years. So, so it's a life changing thing that you yeah, wanted I to. Yeah, I kind of realised I was, you know, kind of carrying too much bulk around and and didn't feel that good under it, and just thought not getting any younger. So let's make the shift. So I did. There we go. Well, you're in good hands with uh, Michael. If I know anything that he gets up to, you should be all right. Don't do much, I do. I just talk loud and pretend to do fitness. Shout to shout the people. people. Yeah, Give that's me it. More. That's it. Give Five more, more, ten more. Well, I'm actually not like that. I'm actually one of those guys that gets down dirty with the clients and, and is a bit more supportive than that. Oh, yeah, don't go. put me down. Passive like aggressive. I'm not a shout. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jesus. So, how did you find getting to the studio today? How was uh, the journey it, itself? It was a delightful journey of multiple train changes and, and delays and uh, getting on one train that told me it was going to go somewhere and then a train that suddenly decided it wasn't going to go there. Uh, but yeah, no, it was fine. It's London transport. You know, it's it's I've not I used to live right in the centre of town okay. and I've not lived in the centre of London for a long time. And it just it, I, I haven't had to do a journey like that for a while. Um, so it was just like, oh, yeah, I remember what London transport was like. Mask, masked up? You wore your mask? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to wear a mask. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we can dive right in there. So what's, right what's um, your thoughts on the whole coronavirus? Because on our podcast, we've had a number of discussions in regards to conspiracies and and how things are going to play out. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I don't think it's conspiracy. I think it's, it's, um, it's Mother Nature kind of rolling our sleeves up and getting ready to ping us off the face of the planet. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, we like to think that we can control these matters, and I don't think we can. Mm. I simply don't think we can. I think we're, we're evolving. We're, you know, listen, evolution's a fact. And we are evolving, and the, ro- the world around us is also evolving, and I believe that uh, this is maybe the start of an extinction uh, uh, event for how, how we perceive the humankind to be. I mean, it, I'm not saying we've got 10 years and the clock's ticking, but I think it's certainly the start of the decline. That's a soundbite, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's shaking me a little bit. When you think about it like that, it's um, I think the, the whole mess that we see um, when you turn on the newspaper, turn on the news and then you read the newspaper, you often get conflicted stories about what's happening. Sure. And that's kind of what puts the, the general public on a, on a bit of an uneasy feeling because they don't know where to turn, who to believe what the rules are. 
I, I think at the root of that, we've kind of done that to ourselves because we've mm. we're in the middle of a different kind of an ep- epidemic globally at the moment, and that's a positive leadership. Yeah, the quality of the leadership that we have across our societies, right across every country in the world, you know, they're just they're really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, they have decided to blur the lines uh, between politics and self interest. Yeah. They've blurred the lines between national interest and international interests, and they've blurred the lines between I'll tell you whatever I like and uh, you just have to suck Take it, it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, positive leadership. And and I actually, I think if you want to look at leadership, in particularly within the Western world, we should be engaging and looking at corporations more because at the end of the day, the global corporation is the one that makes, they're the ones that make the big decisions that really affect our yeah. day-in, day-out lives. Mm-hmm. Right, right on that one. No, completely. It's um. I think. Well, so, I just want to go start from the take beginning. Take a step back. Take a step back, <laughs> so we can get into step all of that stuff later. Time. Let's dive in. But Come the on. thing that we were, so we're talking about the the policies. But um, yourself now, what would you call yourself? So you're a media creator, or oh, I'm an author. You're you're an author, yeah, media creator, author. Um, underneath. Um, a content creator, yeah. or, you know. But an author, really, I'm a writer. I'm an author. Mm-hmm. Um and uh. I mean, I've had many hats. I've I, listen. I worked in radio. I worked in television. Um, uh, and now this. Um, and uh, what I've steadily been able to do throughout my life is, there have been targets and goals that I've set myself, that I've kind of thought, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to have a go at that. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to be a radio presenter. So we got there, and then the next thing I thought, wow, it'd be really good to have a career in television. So I got there. Yeah. And now I wanted to be a published author. And I've got there. Okay. Um, uh, you know, that's we're talking about. I started my first media work started when I was sixteen. So was I'm that? Like, that's the reason I brought it up because when we were talking about politics, yeah. like you were, is it Ulster Television? Um, right. Okay. So I, I started at, um, at BBC Radio Ulster in yeah. Northern Ireland. Then I moved to Downtown Radio, mm-hmm. and then I became uh, my first presenting job. My one and only presenting job was at Ulster Television. Okay. And then I went from in front of the camera to behind the cameras at Ulster Television, and then from there, because obviously that was Northern Ireland only, I then got a network job, and kissed my sainted white-haired mother goodbye as she cried on the doorstep. She said, "You're never coming back." I said, "Mom, it's a six-month contract. I'll be back. I'll see you in six months." Mm-hmm. And I never went back to live. Where, so where were you going? So the, the uh, London. London, London, the big city. Yeah, the big smoke. Yeah. Okay, and that and how old were you when you moved to London? Um, nineteen ninety, so twenty two, twenty three. Twenty two, twenty three. I had a great. I bet you did great experiences. <laughs> uh, you could you could get a lot away with a lot more back then. You could do a lot more. Uh, back also, then. I had I came to London for a really cool job. Mm. I was I was the music booker on the ITV network children's Saturday morning TV show. Yeah. It was called Ghost Train. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that was a really cool job is it was the highest rating. It was on during the summer months. It used to beat the BBC show every Saturday morning. So all the record companies wanted their bands on that show. Yeah. And I was the one saying yes or no. Oh. So what happened for my first six months uh, while I was, <laughs> when I first came to London, Basically, the record companies would just squire me around town, and it was just fantastic. Can't go wrong, can you? No. Ghost Train. Do you remember it? No. I'll be the sheep. The sheep. I'll be the sheep. I'll be the sheep. Who's the puppet? The sheep. Uh, yeah. I remember them with the sheep. Yeah. 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 Well, good man, Eugene. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm glad somebody recognises. <laughs> no, I know that. I know. The, yeah, I know the name. Um, of do you Ghost really Train. No, I do. And I'm sure and, when and I see to a, Google it. No, 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 no. Because I want to see a visual. 
That's why. Not yeah, yeah. she. What year are we talking? Uh, 91. 1991. 1991. The last thing I did in Northern Ireland was I did Telethon for ITV in Northern Ireland, and then I, after that I moved. Okay, fantastic. Well, he's Googling it while we speak. Yeah. I've not seen Jim. Oh, okay. Right. Is that? Yeah, that's Nobby the Sheep. Yeah. And, and Jason yeah. Donovan. And Jason Donovan. Donovan. Who I probably, so probably booked. Banjo yeah. booked, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember the song that he had, um, but I'm sure if it came on, I could sing along to it. Uh, it let's well, I not. can add that onto YouTube. <laughs> you can add it onto YouTube. <laughs> you can you be clicking Honestly, your way. Let's not. <laughs> that's it. Um, but so then you, that, that sounds fantastic. So what was it like growing up in, in Northern Ireland? Um, okay, so I, I have to... I always... Context is everything. I always put the parentheses around this this subject when I talk about it. Um, I had a very happy childhood okay. um, because I had a really good family. My solid parents, four sisters all older than me, uh, working class family, um, uh, church going. And, you know, it was it was very much there was food on the table. We had clothes on our back. Uh, we we lived in a very working class, very deprived area. Um, uh, and obviously the troubles were at the very at the very height. We, they started in 1968 uh, in, in, in Northern Ireland and they pretty much ran all the way through to the Good Friday Agreement, which, oh God, what was the date of the Good Friday Agreement? Um, I think that was the, um, it was the 90s. Um, so uh, that was kind of like, uh, uh, there was kind of a dual track of experience. The inside world, as in my home life, incredibly happy and, and stable and balanced and loving. Um, the outside world was just crazy as batshit. I can, mm -hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine. I can um, imagine. So, uh, and, and my kind of seminal year, if you like, is you know that, you know, if you watch something like the movie Stand By Me, you know that, that year when you look back as a kid and you think that was the defining moment when I kind of began to mature. Mm -hmm. Well, that year for me was I was 14. And that was the year of the hunger strikes. Okay. Um, and uh, where a lot of the funerals for the hunger strikers uh, took place from a, from a church called St. Agnes's, and that was my parish church. Um, a lot of the uh, demonstrations and rallies and things were held at a place called Conley House, which is Sinn Féin headquarters. That's three minutes walk from my house. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Uh, and the and the Milltown Cemetery where uh, all the burials took place, and in fact where my parents are buried now, that's um, three miles from my house. Mm -hmm. So so I was literally in the eye in the of the eye of the storm, as yep. it were. Um, so uh, what it made you do is it made you appreciate two things: um, uh, uh, sanctuary of your home, yep. um, and also it made you appreciate the fact that if you got away with something then, you know, just count your blessings. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, uh, one experience, uh, I was uh, I was on my push bike cycling into the centre of town to tax my sister's car for her. And there was an Armony personnel carrier in front of me. And as we got to the bottom of the Lower Falls Road, there's a, there's a library there, which actually was built by the Carnegie family, the, the, the American Carnegie family. They, they built that building. And as the army personnel car got level with that library, somebody threw what I thought was a firework. Okay. Uh, um, and it bounced off the front driver's side of the army personnel carrier, went under it, um, bounced under a couple of times, and then ended up in the gutter. 
And as and they kept driving and I kept cycling. Mm -hmm. And as I cycled past, I looked down and it was fizzing. I'm thinking, okay. that's weird firework. Wow. Um, <laughs> whenever I got home, my mother and my sister were standing on the doorstep waiting for me to come around the corner on the bicycle going, oh my God, that's going what? Basically, it was an RPG-7, a rocket-propelled wow. grenade had been fired at the at the at the, uh, at the army personnel carrier and, and it didn't go off detonated. yeah right and if it had it done we wouldn't be talking oh, yeah today. i'm just yeah. saying i'm, I'm there in the story Jesus, yeah, going, that's oh my um gosh i've had an experience nothing like that i was in toxtuff i was dating a girl that used to go to liverpool university uh-huh and someone drove past and threw a firework at me oh wow out the, and that did go off yeah and that shit the life out yeah, of me. Yeah, we scared the bejesus out of you. Yeah, absolutely. A bloody RPG is a completely different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's different levels there. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, and then that was just one, you Incident. know, it, it, primary school, my eight-year-old friend, um, who I won't name check, uh, uh, he got blown through a plate glass window and he was literally my best friend. I remember getting up to school to get to, to go to school one morning and my mother coming in, sitting down on the edge of my bed. And I was thinking, what's this about? This is a bit weird. Um, you don't normally come in here usually downstairs shouting for me to get dressed and come down for breakfast and she was saying night uh, little is, uh, isn't going to be coming to school today and I said oh uh, why not he's he's sick Okay. he's had an accident and uh, okay and then the actual the reality of the matter was I didn't see him for six months mm -hmm. um, because he was involved in an explosion and so it, it's just like there there are, whilst I was a really happy kid, all I cared about was football and music mm -hmm. uh, and comics and Star Wars. And once it, whenever that, when that rolled around in 77, but, uh, um, but also like in an out of body experience, there was all sorts of, I've seen people shot dead. I've, I've, I've been caught up in a riot. I've had to uh, flee, um, a gang of uh, Protestant kids who wanted to lynch me because I was a Catholic because they knew by my school uniform. Mm -hmm. So there was lots of experiences like that, that um, uh, and lots of experience of injustice, okay. which means that whenever I encounter, particularly with the way that, as we were talking earlier on about politics, the way I encounter the world today can be very problematic for me because I get I easily get triggered and not in a kind of an anger way but in a kind of a really deeply emotional way particularly when I see injustice mm -hmm. um, because I, I'll give you one statistic nobody ever knows this uh, if you were a Catholic in Northern Ireland when do you think Catholics in Northern Ireland were first given the vote? It's late though isn't it? I don't know so I would say in your teens? No, I was literally just born. It was uh, 67. 67, okay. And the way that they controlled that previous before that was that you had to, in order to vote, you had to own a house. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Of course, you know, because Catholics were obviously the minority and largely working class, very few of them. So it just cut you out of the... Yeah, yeah. You just you weren't in the loop. Absolutely right. It's the best way to describe it. Just not in the loop. Mm -hmm. Like you just didn't exist. And so when I see a lot of the the voter suppression, for instance, that's going on in America at the moment. I mm -hmm. just look at it and I go, I get triggered big time. Some of the some of the lines that I've seen out there seem like in America for the voting, seems like they're purposely made difficult. Of course, yeah. 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 And it's it's horrendous. Like they literally go all the way down the block, around the corner. And it's like by the time it's to deter you. It's just, yeah, exactly. I don't know how many say, people give hey, up. You know what? Do you really want to stand here for twenty four hours just to, to vote? Know, to put an X in a box? Exactly. And to vote for who? Joe Biden. Well, then or, it, it gets even more. Trump. <laughs> well, I don't want to say it gets more complicated, but then you've got the, um, what is it? The popular vote, 
and then you've got and the electoral, electoral college, electoral college, which, which is, is just like so. It's, I think they Hillary won the popular vote. Mm. Yep. But then Trump won the electoral college vote, yeah. and it's but she had more votes. But then it's just it's not it's not first past the post like we know in the as we know it in the in the British system. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it's here, it's just about how many seats you win. However, you know that our our system obviously is, is open to to a lot of um, uh, mismanagement as well. Because gerrymandering, which is where they redraw the boundaries of the electoral boundaries in order to maintain a certain status quo. So like for instance under David Cameron's government they did a massive retrenchment of 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 uh, of the constituency boundaries in order to make it more difficult for conservatives not to mm-hmm. be in power. Yeah. And that happened and that that's that's that game's been being played in Northern Ireland for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. It really is. I don't if get into politics great word though, gerrymandering, isn't it? what a great word <laughs> i should at least get five points <laughs> say again say again gerrymandering spell it then g-e-r-r-y-m-a-n-d-e-r-i-n-g there you I'm go i'm a writer there you go <laughs> don't worry at the end of the pod i would do like a tick on the youtube thing <laughs> so it'll be fine no that's it that's but, it um, but no that that sounds i'm still miffed on the whole growing up experience that mm. that kind of really hits me because over the weekend i was watching the devil's own Oh yeah, um, which has got Harrison Ford. A and... dreadful film, yes. Okay, I actually enjoy the film. Oh yeah, I mean it's a piece of entertainment. It's 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 grand, but uh, um, uh, uh, and actually, I know there's a guy called Ben Gunn who who taught um, uh, Matey Boy's accent for that film. Um, okay, it's Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Brad, Brad Pitt. Mm. Matey Boy, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, and actually, I was. This will mean nothing to you because you're too young. I was uh, one of Barry Norman, who was the, the BBC's big film critic. Okay, yep. I was Barry, one of Barry Norman's producers at the time when that was released, and there was there, there caused some very heated debates in the production office whenever that film came out. Okay, um, why? But, well, it's just, you know because it's like um, uh, I was working at the BBC. Uh, there was a lot of people who had very entrenched views about you know the IRA and you know that whole conflict between. Are they terrorists? Are they freedom fighters? Depends on your point of view. Da 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 da. da. Um, and whilst I'm conflicted about both those things, um, uh, what I won't do is I won't have people make kind of slapdash, stereotypical assumptions about what it was like to be in Northern Ireland when all of that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that film kind of does that. Well, it does. It does. Um, but it's just it's interesting that I watched it on the weekend, and now we we've spoken about. Have you not seen Devil's Own? Uh, um, I don't think I have. It was that period where Harrison Ford was. Well, he was awesome. I thought Harrison Ford was awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was in a number yeah. of films at that time, and that was a really good film because it's the first time I saw Brad Pitt, and I thought, wow, Brad's a really good actor, you know? He is a good actor. Guy. He is a good actor. His Putting accent on, is in Snatch. Bad. His accent in Snatch oh, is awesome. far better. Yeah, it's awesome. You like that? I can't remember no weeds. Yeah. 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 Hey, Cameron, you want a dag? You have a dag. But he's playing a pikey, isn't he? Yeah, but yeah. Pardon? He's playing a pikey. Yeah. You're not allowed to say that. No, they're travelers. Travelers. Traveling community. So I grew up with gypsies. No, no, no. This is the thing. I'm not saying it's no, no, no. no. I'll just, I'll just quickly say. I'll just quickly say because so did I on in my estate. Yeah. However, it's a box of no, 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 no. But this, this is my point. They know you, but others might not. Others, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But it is, it's that thing of... Um, <laughs> I've said that so many people... Don't say it anymore. <laughs> and everyone just carried anymore. on the conversation. Now no, 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 to no, you no, guys no. on the podcast. And you're like, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no chance. But that's like, I mean, um, when I first came to London, this is a very good dovetail, this actually. When I first came to London, um, uh, it was still, I was still called a Mick 
and a paddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it never, it's never really offended me unless somebody used the word thick in advance of it. Okay. So if they call me a thick mick or a thick paddy, then they'd, it's a problem. They'd, they'd get both barrels from me. Um, but what, the other thing that used to happen, particularly because the, I went to so many parties with the record companies and stuff like that, and I'd be at these parties and people would say to me, oh, hey, where are you from? And, and, I, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm from Ireland. And instantly, the first thing they would say is, oh, you're from the north of the south. And my response was always, I'm from the east. And they go... Blows your mind. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of going, well, and, and Belfast is on the east coast of Ireland. It's like, I'm from the east. I'm not from the north and the south. I'm from the east. And then, and then well, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm from Belfast. Oh, you're from the north. Oh, yeah. And then the next question would always be, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I used to always then stop and kind of look around the room and go, where? Is there going to be a fight or something? What's the crack? <laughs> what am I missing? And they go, no, 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 I'm Belfast. I go, oh, that's anybody's guess. Sure, why would I know the answer to that? I'm living mm-hmm. here now. <laughs> <laughs> Just see it all play out. Um, so, when, so when you were younger, was there a, um, a lot of escapism? from oh. your surroundings so you say you liked comic books and uh, star wars absolutely. and so there was plenty of reading going absolutely. on um loads of reading read voraciously as a kid uh, and uh, hands up local libraries i mean i one of the best things to do uh, in anderson's time when i was growing up is we would go up to anderson's town library uh, where my friend mako used to take his girlfriends around the back and kiss them there that was grand nice. um i used to then i wasn't so lucky i used to actually go inside and borrow the books <laughs> um and so from very young age very formative things for me was like um i don't know if you come across them the asterix and obelix books yes most um, definitely uh tintin mm-hmm. uh, and then as i began to read i actually very interesting started off with a lot of science fiction okay um uh like even stuff like i robot uh, as isaac asimov yeah a genre that i interestingly i'll watch it i'll consume it in films and tv and stuff like that i would not think about picking up in a science fiction book now isn't that weird um but but yeah and um and then the other thing I used to do is my dad he would he and I would both go to the library together it was something that we did together and he would get this selection of books. And I very quickly realized that his books were a bit kind of, you know, a bit more interesting than the ones that were open for me mm-hmm. to borrow. So I when and he, I was a faster reader than him. Um, and so his pile would sit on his bedside uh, locker and it would take him so long to get through one. In the meantime, without him knowing, I was snatched in one of the ones underneath that mm-hmm. and taking it away and read it. So lots of westerns. Okay. Uh, Elmore Leonard, uh, who's who's a god, um, so, uh, and all that kind of pulp fiction. That that really was uh, that was kind of my, in terms of my reading and my 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 writing uh, chops. I learned an awful lot from reading. Okay. Those kind of books. Mm-hmm. Westerns are uh, deeply, deeply underrated genre. Oh no, they're, they're uh, awesome. Well, I, I've grown up with my grandparents, so we've we've grown up watching. Um, oh, what was the main guy's name? It's gone from me. John Wayne. Yes, John Wayne. The Duke. The main man. So John yeah. Wayne, even Clint Eastwood. Um, I'm a no name. Yeah. So we've grown up watching. I think that's um, Western films, cowboys um, and Indians when you're younger. Yeah, you know, like. But it's amazing watching it, those you? those movies back now, and majority of those films. Going to touch a bit on racism now. Is they've got white guys and white women 
tattooed, not tattooed faced, um, makeup, black, yeah, yeah, black face, yeah. playing West, uh, Native Americans. You're kind of going, couldn't you just get Native well, Americans at that time? Somewhere they did that quite a lot. Um, which, when you watch it back now, it's a little bit cringy. But at the time, I, I think anything of it. It was uh, the Carry On films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. they used to, uh, well, Carry On up the Kyber. Yeah, Carry On up yeah. the Kyber. I, I mean, it's like, uh, um, it's just, it's a wash with that kind of yeah. stereotypical kind mm -hmm. of, you know, and at, at least. With something, I think with something like the Carry On films, you can kind of forgive it because you know they were just they were their tongues were always permanently planted in their cheeks. Yeah. Whereas I think if you go back and, and I know this is revisionism of history and stuff like that, but when you go back and look at some of the some of the westerns, um, which is basically glamorizing and glorifying genocide, of course, um, then you you suddenly have a problem with it. And and that's why I say that the Western genre, in particularly in the books, is highly underrated because a, a lot of the books don't deal in that kind of revisionism. Okay. They are actually, a lot of the best books are written purely about kind of the reality of day-to-day -day life living in the 1800s in, in, in un, un, uncharted America. Mm -hmm. um, and if you fancy it, there's a brilliant, it's difficult to get a hold of, but there's an absolutely fantastic book called St. Agnes's Stand okay. by a guy called Thomas Eidson. Uh, it's a very spare book, not very long. Uh, the language is not very convoluted at all. It's it's very um, pa very fast-paced written, um, and it tells a story of it's just this real kind of sleazy down-night guy who comes across a batch of nuns with some orphan children who are being pinned down by some Sioux Indians okay. because they've strayed into their territory, which yeah. they shouldn't have done. And it's about the moral choices between him and his dog and the nuns and the girls and the Indians as to what he does. Okay. And it's a fabulous yeah. book. And what that doesn't do is it doesn't revise history because it says, you know, obviously one of the reasons why the Sioux were so angry of their trespass is because of everything that was happening to them as a nation at that point and da 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 da. So it doesn't it doesn't whitewash over anything. Okay. Um so I'll, I'll you know read, within the Western genre, those kind of books, you can find them. There are plenty of them. And okay. they are I would say, in terms of uh, of reading rewarding this is um this is a book that i've actually got at home at the okay. minute but oh. i've not read it yet okay so I, i'll share that with you will do at some point i'm looking for some new books to read I, yeah I, I, just, I used to read books all the time all just the time. about the history of oh, black yes. cowboys yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The west. i've be, actually got that um black cowboys of the old west just gives you a history and a breakdown of who was around. There was no time. black cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and glory is if you've never seen Glory with Denzel Washington in it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a, a directed by a guy called Ed Zwick. That's mm -hmm. a fantastic Civil War movie. Um, okay. That's uh, that has that uh, that had the black the, the first all black re regiment who fought in the Civil War. I think I've seen that. Yeah, it's. I'm quite, just trying to think to mark some of it. Blue outfits. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I watched my dad place. years ago. John, and, um, not John Cusack. Um, uh, Ferris Bueller's in it, isn't he? Uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, yeah. Thank you. He doesn't Thank die you. in it, does he, Denzel? Hey, don't tell me. Can't say that in the podcast. Huh? Come on. Come well, there's people that haven't seen it that we're, we're pointing them in the Do direction. Do a spoiler warning first. Yeah, wow. no, yeah. Then please skip I'm ahead one minute. I'm not going to question. I'm, yeah, I'm taking go. the fifth on that. Oh, you guys seem like you're upset. You know, first with the, the, casual, the casual reference to travelling people <laughs> and now he's trying to get me to blow the plot. Oh, oh that's it. There's all sorts of um, cases coming up. You guys seem like I've offended you there for a second. I'm cutting out the podcast. I'm not taking part anymore. With the... Saying you, you you mentioned science fiction, sure, um, and also westerns. So mm. two things um, 
in recent time that I've seen. I'm asking if you've seen them. So you've got Cowboys and Aliens. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's with James Bond. Yes, Daniel, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Ray, Daniel, Daniel Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, and then also the, the most recent one, Westworld. I've not seen Westworld Yeah, I, w- I watched the first series of Westworld and couldn't get on with the second series. Okay. Um, but I remember, you see, I, re- <laughs> I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, which is written by Michael Crichton, who who wrote Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I'd read the book of Westworld, and then I saw the original film, which is a guy called Yul Brenner in it. Yep, yep. Um, yes, yes, yeah, we're going way um, back there. And uh, that was when I was a kid. I remember for my primary school homework, he had to write a story. So I decided to rewrite Westworld. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did this kind of really uber violent nine year old version of of, uh, of of Westworld, and I, I remember writing that very clearly. Um, and and when my mother found out, she was furious because she was saying, how have you seen this film? This is a really violent film. And I was like, uh, and of course I'd stayed up one Saturday night when mum and dad were at a dance and watched it when I shouldn't have, you know, mm-hmm. so, but wow, what a movie. And the, the TV series, the first season I thought was fabulous and it really had yeah. its chops going, kind of lost its way in the second, I thought. Okay. Yeah, I stuck with it. Have you? Yeah, I, so I'm I, up to date. I stuck with it. Um, I think it's fantastic. I might give it a try. I saw it come on Sky, and then I was going to watch the first episode, but I was still watching Breaking Bad at the same time. Okay, yeah. And I was invested in mm. making it to the end, and, and I was yeah pleasantly um, happy with the choice that I made. So maybe <laughs> um, on the weekend I can give it a try. How um, many seasons is Westworld? Westworld, anyway. Isn't it? I think there's three four. now. No, three four. or four. Four. Is it? four. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Does. You said that really confident. Well, no, yeah, it's uh, because of cinema. It's uh, (laughs) probably wrong, but it's no four, I think. But it's uh, I I love all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, But yeah, Cowboys and Aliens as well. What's good? Prometheus is a film that I, especially most recent sci-fi film that I've watched. It's not Prometheus two because that was horrendously bad. Um, Prometheus one, awesome, absolutely awesome film. so you you um, have been in your time a film critic as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. So what happens? Or what are the what are you looking for when you're critiquing a film, ideally? Because if if because what was the film you just said, Devil's Own? Uh, yes, Devil's Own. Right. Um, and then or you Devil's said Own. terrible film. Yeah. Right. Is that in your? Are you? Is that from your critiquing? perspective or is that your own genuine perspective you just uh, didn't like the it's film it's a bit of both um i i'm very high standards mm-hmm. i do i mean look for the for the i worked with uh, my first time working with barry norman i worked on film 96 the mm-hmm. show was called it was the bbc film show but it was always called film then whatever yeah, the year it was. I remember. so i started working on film 96 and literally for for uh, about four years of my life i literally saw everything that was released in this country. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem, that that sounds like everybody's going, well, you're paid to go to the movies. Yes, you are, but you see everything. And I mean everything as in you see all the absolute the ones, detritus yeah. and yeah. the rubbish ones. And then, so when you see something good, it, it becomes easier because it rises above, you know, it what kind of see. froths to the top. Now, I'm not a cultural snob, and I'll give you the perfect example. There's, there's an Italian art house director called... Um, uh, Michael Antonioni, and uh, uh, he made a film called, I think it's called Above the Clouds, with John Malkovich in it, or In the Clouds, something like that. And uh, I had to attend a screening with Barry. Barry was going to see the movie, and one of us always went with him, and, and, and we would take notes as to what might make a good clip for the show and, and do a little synopsis while we're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. So that Barry, if Barry said, what was the name of the character, da, 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 and you have to go, oh, it was, you know, we always yeah. had the notes there for him. Um, and on the same day, we did two movies back to back. The first one was this very cerebral, 
meditation on middle-aged men and their sexual fantasies as directed by Michael Antonioni, the great uh, Italian art house director. Mm -hmm. The second film was Executive Decision with Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell and with David Suchet, who went on to play... Um, he was the bad guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he's the bad guy. He went on to play Inspector... Um, <laughs> Poirot. Poirot. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, on television. And so the two more diametrically posed films you could ever get. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that I was bored out of my life with the Michael Antonioni film, despite yes. the fact that it was full of beautiful <laughs> actresses who all, for some reason, ended up losing their clothes and then went to Executive Decision... And the fact that, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, uh, Steven Seagal gets killed in like the first 20 minutes. And it's one of those moments in a movie you go, whoa, hold on, that's Steven Seagal you've just killed. Uh, but that film was so entertaining. Nonsense, but yeah. fabulously entertaining. Did you see the shock in my face? Because I recall the film of him going to the ending of the film, but then I... I I put that with um, Siege, uh, the one on oh, the... Oh, Under Siege, yes. Under Siege. No, I, I think he gets... On that one. I, is that right? I remember, I think he, gets, he, he literally gets sucked out a window or something like that. Wow. Is it, um, under he, Siege, right? Yeah. Under, uh, no, under, yeah. no, no, wait, That's uh, on the boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Under, under Siege, he's the, the man. Executive decision first, is the one. He, first one, second one, he, he, he's the main man in that. But, yeah. but the one with Kurt Russell and... Um, uh, David Suchet. Yeah, David Suchet. I can't remember. I'm, I remember it's the worth a watch. It's a really entertaining film. It's very tense. It's okay. really as it works as a thriller because it's like your your heart's going the whole time. And I remember walking out of that screening with Barry, and I am saying to him, "Well, what do you think?" And he said, Oof. "He said I enjoyed Executive Decision." <laughs> and I went, okay. Um, uh, and then, of course, when it came to reviewing it, I was a little disappointed because Barry went with the kind of. Uh, oh well, this is a very important work because it's by Antonioni and okay. da da da, and he's it's a meditation. He didn't actually critique the film; he just kind of he gave the audience what the context Commented, of the film was. Yeah. Um, but then when it came to him reviewing executives, he said this is nonsense, but it was highly entertaining nonsense, and of course that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you, um, is film is film still on now? No, um, it's finished. Uh, they the last thing they did, I think they did it with Claudia Winkleman. And they did this really odd thing where they put two other critics with her. Okay. Um, and the format didn't really work. It's yeah. a great shame. I've got but the, um, the theme tune in my head. Do, 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 do. There you go. <laughs> there you oh, go. And it's called Oh, What It Is To Be Free. And the artist, the jazz artist is Billy something or other band. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, listen, I, I had a great time. I, I went to the Oscars twice. I went to the Cannes Film Festival you know, and what, and I've, I've had lots of moments in my life where I've kind of had to. It sounds like such a cliche, but it's literally you pinch yourself. You're thinking, I'm, I'm at the fucking Oscars. I'm from West Belfast. What, what year did you go to the Oscars the uh, first time? Ninety six, and I think the second time was ninety nine. Was that a part of being? Yeah, yeah, on it's, film? to produce the, to produce the coverage for the BBC first time around Sky Movies the second time. So around. you in the nosebleeds, or are you where are you situated? Uh, running around backstage yeah. and and making sure Barry's correctly because he was he wasn't the young man at that mm -hmm. point making sure he was correctly hearing the results as they mm -hmm. came through and all that kind of stuff i'd see that my my best experience about that is you used to have to we get there about a week before the ceremony um and you used to have to go down every day at two o'clock they issue no sorry one o'clock they issue revisions of the script okay. so um you had to you had to go down every day and make sure you picked up your revisions like literally a cardboard box full of these scripts mm -hmm. and uh 
everybody here to doing it because it was just a pain in the ass having to go down there. Until one day, I, it was my turn to go down and I was grizzling. So I go down and uh, go into the venue and I pick up the scripts and uh, I thought, do you know what? I've got time. I got here quicker than I anticipated. I'm just going to have a little wander through the auditorium. So I go in and there, right enough, all the seats and they have the cardboard cutouts so I can see Clint Eastwood's seat and, Fantastic. you know, Meryl Streep's seats over there. Da, da, da. And there's this, there's a floor manager standing at the presenter's podium and he's literally doing this. He's going, music helps transport the audience when it comes to the cinema, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tonight we're featuring blah, blah, best song nomination, blah, blah. Ladies and gentlemen, singing, don't cry for me, Argentina, blah, blah, Madonna. And a, and a, a fly curtain goes up and there's this tiny person in a tracksuit standing with a microphone. And I was thinking, wow, they're good. They, they've even got stand-ins for the, for the music guys. Mm -hmm. This is great. And anyway, the music starts and, and I'm going, wow, that really sounds like, they, that must be a backing track. <laughs> and then she steps forward into the lights and I'm standing. And there's only about 20 of us in the auditorium at this stage. So I'm starting thinking, holy shit, that's, that's Madonna. Madonna. So from that point onwards, every day I would I would I would volunteer to go Hover and pick around. up the script, cool. script <laughs> And the next time it happened, I actually I might have got that the wrong way around. The first time it happened, it was Aerosmith singing um uh I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing from Armageddon. Film, yes, Armageddon. Uh, and Bruce then Willis the second and... time around when I went, it was it was it was Madonna singing Avita. That's Fantastic. crazy. Oscars. So Oscars parties? Um, no. What would happen is I would be in a line outside the Vanity Fair party yeah. with a cameraman and a microphone. Okay. And what happens is all the stars pitch up and they come, their publicists work the line in front of them and they'll come down and they'll go, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I'll go, Barry Norton, <laughs> film 96. And they'll go, okay, do you want to speak to da -da 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 -da? And then you go, yes, please, yes. Mm -hmm. And then they... They'd work their way down the line, and then they'd, and uh, as they get to each person, the publicist goes, That's Barry Norman's people. Okay, great. Okay. And so then they come up and go, Oh, BBC. You mm -hmm. know, you're rolling already, and you get the sound bites <laughs> and da da. It's all very manufactured. That is one of the most humiliating experiences of my entire life because okay. they talk to you like, not the stars, but yeah. the publicists yes. talk to you like you are a dog do on their show. Find out if you're imagine. worthy enough. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. all that kind of crack. And I, I remember. I had the big breakfast the first time I did it. I had the big breakfast next to me. Laurie Pike <clears throat> was the presenter. And they bring Glenn Close down the line. And they're going live. I'm only recording. They're going live. And Laurie Pike's standing there. And she goes, okay, but yeah, yeah, no, we've, 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 got, we've, we've got Glenn Close. We've got Glenn Close. Okay, here we go, here we go. So they bring Glenn Close down. And she goes, and Laurie Pike goes into her smooth introduction. <laughs> she goes, well, if there's one woman who knows what it's like to win a Best Actress Oscar... It's Ms. Glenn Close, who I'm joined with now. And she puts the microphone and Glenn Close goes, I've never won one. Oh. 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 And I'm standing there going, that must happen. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that on happens the, all the time. Yeah, it's, not with a, thankfully, not with a Hollywood star. Without I'm doing sure any research. All the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But, the, but then, I, the, 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 kicker, the kicker to that story is they then bring it to me. And I'm like, Miss Close, thank you very much. So we pre-recorded. Will you please just pretend that I'm Barry? We like to have this myth that Barry's actually here with you. She's not, it's me you're talking to. She goes, oh, no, that's fine, that's fine. So I go, okay, well, and I turned my com uh, camera on a guy called Dominic, brilliant guy. I said, Dominic, are we rolling? He goes, yes, we are. And I turned back to her, and she's got her head down like this. And I go, um, and I'm joined with, uh, by Miss Glenn Close. And she 
did this. And she looked me right in the eyes. And I know what she did, but she turned the film star thing yep. on. Mm-hmm. Okay, straight in. And I was like, and Dominic literally had to go. Just caught in the headlines <laughs> for a second. I, for a second. <laughs> mm. And I this never, I've only ever been starstruck, tw- starstruck twice before that. Well, actually since then, with Des Lynham. When I met Des Lynham, mm-hmm. I was like, that's Des Lynham. And then the second time was when I met Eric Cantona. Okay. Um, I couldn't speak. Um, so, uh, and that was the only other time. Wow. Uh, she just did something. I don't, I can't explain it. It was, it was almost preternatural. She, she wasn't looking at me just and then suddenly she was Getting wasn't. in the zone. It was yeah. like, she, Tuned she in. put the full beams on or something. It was wow. like, oh, whoa. Interesting. Um, just go, I want to, I'm going to be jumping all over the place because there's, there's things that I want to talk about here. Sure. Um, one of them that I want to talk about that I've made a note about, Noel's house party. <laughs> <laughs> because growing up, that was... Two years, I spent two Saturday years night TV. With Mr. Blobby, yes? With Mr. Blobby, oh, come on. Noel yeah, Edmonds. Um, 94, 95, yeah. yeah. There you go. yeah I used yeah, to yeah, absolutely yeah. love that. And it just brings back fond memories of sitting with the, the family and, and, and watching it. But how did you find it working behind the scenes? Well, I, I mean, do you know, funny enough, I was talking about that this week. And um, I have to remind myself sometimes that I ended up working on the biggest show on British mm-hmm. television it was, at wasn't the time. It? Yep. 14 million huge. viewers every it's Saturday huge. night yep. live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked my... It was such hard work, that show. And, but, but in an absolutely brilliant way. And I, I learned so much on that mm. show. Um, uh, my, I had two jobs on that show. I, I, I chose um, all the NTV victims. Okay. Mm-hmm. So whenever Noel would click his fingers and surprise a person at home, supposedly just watching the show, and they didn't realize there were cameras in their house, I set all those up. Um, and they all did not know. They didn't. They did not know. Hey, fantastic. I went to such deep lengths to make sure they did not know. I met all of them in advance, um, and they didn't know there would be an audition for the show because I would say, you nominated Mick. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd be like, okay, uh, I'm going to bump into you at the pub. Uh, you're yep. going to be there at this time. You're going to say, John, I've not seen you in years. We went to karate school together. I haven't seen him in years. And I would sit down and we'd be bantering. And then I'd start slowly but surely start bantering you to see whether you <clears throat> had a sense of humor and whether you could take it. And if you could, and if I had a really good hook for what we might do to kind of jape you, you know, to, to set you up for a joke, um, then you'd be on the show. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I would say I had a hit rate of for every three or four ha- of people I, I auditioned, mm-hmm. one would make it. Mm-hmm. So it was like full time job. It was I traveled all over the country, um, uh, and and uh, I had a I had an expression. Some of the houses you would then go and see the houses as well when they weren't there because to make sure that you could think you could actually rig the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I used to say is, uh, they I come back to the office and they go, "What was it like?" And I go, "It was a one buttock house." And what that meant was the house was so filthy when you sat down, you, yeah. only, put, you only put one butt cheek on the chair. Just perch on the edge. <laughs> and they go, they go to you, do you want a cup of tea? No, I've just had one, thanks very much. Because yeah. <laughs> you're thinking, this house is too dirty for me to even take a cup of tea off you. Um, so it was a bit of that. Um, and then the other thing I did was I, I looked after a lot of the celebrity acts. You would do six six weeks on the road and then TV, and then you do three or four weeks off, and then you go back out on the road again, or else you'd go quite mad. Mm-hmm. Um so when I was in studio, I would look after, sometimes look after the celebrity guests. Yep. Um, a lot of the times I was doing the gungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, and Fun in f- part of that. Uh, yes, that? it was great. And in fact, I have poured gunge 
on uh, Gary Mabbott and Teddy Sheridan's head, which I know you'll Yay! be very happy about. There you go. Uh, was that being Arsenal fans? something was a little it? heavy in the gunge and drop uh, it down. And that was a Christmas show. And they were, I remember Teddy Sheridan was an absolute gentleman and they were playing us in the Boxing Day fixture. Yeah. And I remember as I led him back out to his car to take him home, I said to him, Teddy, go easy on us in Boxing Day, will you? And he said, yeah, 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 like that. And off he went. And he scored a hat trick against us that day. Oof. And I often think, as he scored the third goal, he's did he thinking think, of you. That's for that little <laughs> shit at Bill's <laughs> Yeah, I bet he was. Fingers up to you. Fantastic. Oh, man. I, um, I played football on Sunday, um, as it goes. And I referred to, they had a guy up front, he was overweight. Um, but I started calling him Teddy. Okay. Because those sorts of players just ghost around and they don't have to run. They don't have to sprint. It's that cliche, the it. first 10 yards is in their head. Exactly. And they just end up popping up and you're like, oh, how did you get there? Like completely disrespecting him because of his weight. But um, what else did they have on there? They had the, um, not like the Crystal Maze, when you had to grab all the money. Was that yes, on Noel's yeah, house party as well? Grab, grab a grand. grand. Crinkly bottom groats. Uh, I think I have a crinkly bottom groat in my house somewhere. The, um... The house, I always remember him coming through the door yes. at the beginning. Oh, yeah. it's just so so many memories. I think, I I think it was amazing. I looked Leslie Nielsen. Okay. He played Santa Claus one year for us. Yeah. Uh, uh, I looked after um, Thora Heard, Dame Thora Heard. Yeah. One of the great acts. And and she was brilliant because she, she ruined the show because um, she was supposed to do a gag and then do a series of gags and then she was supposed to step away and Noel was supposed to close the front door of the house. She did her script, did it brilliantly. It was bringing the house down and Noel goes to close the door and she does this and stops the door from closing. And so he has to open the door again because the audience are really going in the studio at this stage. Mm. And so Noel realises and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Dame Thor heard. So then she gets an even bigger round of applause and he goes to close the door again. And the director and the producer in my ear going, Get her off. And I'm behind the door going, Dave Thor, Dave Thor. And she would not turn Move. to me. And eventually, when he came to close the door again, she stopped him again. And then she opened the, he had to open the door and he, he did this again to her. And she just waited until the crowd kind of were at their peak. And then she went, she pointed at him and she went, he's a cheeky monkey, isn't he? And then she was ready So to she go. was playing off she, the crowd. Oh, she wasn't confused. Fantastic. That was just her timing. She brought timing. the house down mm -hmm. with that one line. He's a cheeky monkey, isn't he? And then she, and she turned and, 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 and so we're walking away. Still the director's howling in my ear. So we walk away. She turned to me. She goes, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Celebrity handler. It's, um, no, it was it was a great show. Um, what else have I got here? There's something that I was going to mention as well. Um, the work that you've done. Um, this, I've got it down here as Archie Productions. So that's yeah. your company. It was my company, yeah. Yeah, and you set that up in 2008? 2008, yeah. And... Um, we ended up, we did um, we did some kids shows. We did a, um, a kids karaoke game show for, for uh, Cartoon Network. And we did and pitched um, uh, uh, 13 episodes, uh, 13 half hours in the English language and walked it out with um, 76 episodes in six different languages. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those one of those pitch meetings where somebody said to me, do you think we could do this in different languages? And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> and I went, okay. No, they, they didn't, they didn't do the follow-up. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then I got the commission. And I was standing there kind of going, I've got oh, to do this now. now we have to do it. Now mm -hmm. we have to do it. But we did, um, and we we made them in uh, the MTV studios in Camden, mm -hmm. which was the TVAM studios at one yep. point. Um, and uh, we literally flew kids in from... Um, uh, five other countries from around Europe and I did shows in Polish, German, Italian, French and Spanish. 
Oh, fantastic. And you can speak all those languages, can you? <laughs> hey? I've, yeah, got a, I've got a little bit of Spanish. A little bit of Spanish. A little bit of Spanish. Hola, como estas? Yeah, muy bien. Ah, muy yeah. bien, muy bien. ¿Qué tal, eh? Yeah, yeah, I haven't got yeah. any other languages, I'm afraid. I'm learning Same Spanish. Language. I've been um, learning Spanish for the past seven years. Oh, seven years? Yeah. yeah. Great language. My wife's learning Soy Mike. <laughs> With, um, that's all you need <laughs> to know. Gusto, eh? Yeah, that's it. That's all I need to know. <laughs> What's the app called? Uh, Duolingo. Duolingo pings every single night, doesn't it, Jules? But the only problem if with that, listening. though, is it's, I, I find Babbel's better because Babbel gives you conversational uh, Spanish. Duolingo is teaching you just words, and it tends to be okay. words that don't go in sentences. So you learn how to say ingleses, which is church, but then you don't understand how to then say, I'm going to the church. It's just, you know, church, you know, dog, you know, cat. Mm -hmm. Put it into a sentence. Okay. There's it. not teaching you verbs. They're teaching no, they're you not. mostly yeah. lines and things. Okay. Um, another thing, uh, inside the RAF. Yeah. Um, Which I found interesting because when I went to um, my grandma's funeral, which was probably about five years ago, mm -hmm. um, something that I never knew about her when they were reading through uh, achievements and stuff is that she, she used to work for a company called Addis. Mm -hmm. um, and all I remember is that we used to have the cupboards at home were full of like lunch boxes and stuff and they're all made by Addis. Mm -hmm. um, but then she was along the chain of making parts for Spitfires. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So then when I saw it on your um, yeah, we the website a, yeah. and I saw all of the... We did Britain's Flying Past, which is uh, with John Sargent. So that was yeah. about... We did one about the Hurricane... Uh, the Lancaster. Mm -hmm. We did one about the Seeking Helicopter and then we also did one about the Spitfire. Yeah. And then I also saw and there was the Chinook, the helicopter. Chinook, yeah, that's the the that's, the, the Sea King. Yeah. That's the Sea King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you you were in it? Did you go? Uh, in? Yes, uh, I've dangled <laughs> my feet out of the mouth of the Chinook. Uh, it depends if you if you if you're scared of heights. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it doesn't take a feather. That sort of thing doesn't take a feather out of me. Also, those guys are. I mean, they're like racing drivers of the air. They are consummate Elite. professionals. Of course. And you, you just you just take them at their word. You feel completely safe when you're in their presence. Mm -hmm. They, Those guys are, I, I, how they do what they do, well, I, I'll just never know. It's, um, yeah, I think it's one thing to go on a commercial flight and show people for a TV program, but when you're actually in the thick of it. Of course. Well, some of the people that we met who literally, there was um, one guy who, fished a load of guys out of a combat zone and shouldn't have been going back down but kept going back down and um, that airframe I think it was shot up something like 39 times in that one mission and stuff like that it's Bloody just hell. amazing stories I th um, <clears throat> again I watched um, Apocalypse Now oh yeah it was on the other day mm -hmm. a week or so ago and I just stayed up and watched it and just seeing that the helicopters there and everything and that just that war zone it's just amazing I haven't watched but that in years you've seen it yeah, yeah I've seen it yeah. I haven't watched that in years confession time go on never actually seen it you've Seriously, not seen it I was going to ask for your opinion no I've never seen it never seen, seen that it. never seen, seen Taxi Driver oh I know you said you were a film critic Taxi Driver Robert De Niro everybody has those kind of gaps in their education as it were like it's like you know I've I mean you know I I've never read a Charles Dickens novel never okay you know, it's it's. You hear the silence. I'm not going to say I have. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> right. do this. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's it, there's there's a couple of films like that that have slipped through the net for me. Okay, Taxi Drivers. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Apocalypse Now. Um, it's it's a good film. It's a good film. Oh, that's the one set in Vietnam. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah. yeah Marlon Brando. Good, 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 mm -hmm. good, good, good film. So I know. I know everybody's in it. But good, good film. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, definitely watch it because of the whole. Um, Marlon Brando. 
flip on it is like it's 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 Marlon Brando's film. It's the film that nearly drove Coppola crazy. Right? Yeah, mm. but he was only in like the last forty minutes. But it was like he got paid a million dollars to do um, the f- the opening first three minutes of Superman. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was he in Superman? Yeah, yeah. he was. He plays yeah, Jor-El. Jor-El. Um which is Superman's dad. Superman's yes. dad. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And he was um, making words up as he went along. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, he was having drunk. Yeah. All the, no, the lines were on teleprompter. Yeah, <laughs> to, 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 to learn the lines. Yeah, so they're all looking at the teleprompter like, "What's he saying <laughs> That's there?" Not and me. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same with um, Coppola on um, yeah Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. Is just now. The, but he's, he's so fascinating. Um, oh, no, it's just an awesome to watch film. Him. Yeah, it's an awesome. I, I I need to go back to that because I, I haven't seen that film in years. No, very good, very um, good. I will get back to it, but um, I'm gonna dive in. Um, cool. Being an author, yeah, you've, you've brought your two books along here. I have. Oh, show me. Talk. To show me. them. Put them up for the camera. Uh, unfortunately, well, there's a story behind them at the minute in that you can't actually buy them right now. Not um, on Amazon. Um, no, you'll you'll get used copies on Amazon. I left my publisher. Okay. Uh, Can I have a look? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, they're, 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 Thank you. Copy for the, for the Sorry, Eugene, I didn't know you were going to Thank you. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll just borrow from these guys. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> keep them. Don't give them back. Um, and uh, I left that. I left that. The, the publisher of that edition last year because it just um, it wasn't a right fit for me and I wasn't the right fit for them. Okay. Um. And I I and you asked me on the way in tonight was had I been affected by COVID in terms of my professional Indeed. life. Uh, I this time last year, literally this time last year, I was in America meeting my new agent. Okay. And I signed with a New York agent, and we spent from this time last year to about January of the beginning of this year. We, uh, I did like an American retool of both both my novels, yeah. and we repitched them to the American publishing industry. And they went out. I think we'd, we'd they went to nineteen different publishers in America uh, at the back end of February, and about three days later, New York went into lockdown. So the pitch of those books has been completely lost to COVID. I can wow. imagine. Um, imagine. So we've literally just this month we um, over again. we've started over again, which means yeah. that nothing will happen with these books. So they're out of print at the minute. Nothing okay. will happen with them until twenty twenty one. And it's a great shame because I, these the 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 main character is a guy called Danny Felix. He's yep. a thief. Uh, <clears throat> the first book is called Standstill. The second book yep. is called Godsend. Although they, those titles for the American market will probably change. Um, uh, and uh, they are follow-on, and the third one is written. Okay. It's been written for quite a while, but obviously uh, because um, uh, because of what's happened, it hasn't it hasn't found the outside world just yet. Um, so, so how do you... Sorry to dive in. No, go on, Michael. How do you do research on this? Because I, I watched um, a film, Johnny Depp's in a film. He... Oh, it's going to come to me. Donnie Brasco? No, no, not Donnie. He, he's a writer. And oh, he, um, it will come to me. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? No, 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 not that one. It's, um, it will come, it will come, it will come. But um, how do you get your inspiration for, for, for your writing? Um, it comes from all sorts of places. Um, Standstill was a concoction when I was still commuting into the centre of London every day. Okay. I bored out of my mind looking out of a tube window and I thought about how you could grind London to a standstill 
It's a name drop there. Very easily. Yeah, I was mm. um, and uh, <laughs> and so that and 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 then then began daydreaming about the reasons why you would want to do that. Okay. Um, and um, I'm very lucky. My wife, her 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 brother-in-law, so the chap who's married to her, my wife's sister, um, uh, was a retired detective with the Flying Squad. Okay. So. I didn't tell him I was thinking dreaming up a book about a thief or anything like that. But um, we went to the pub this night, and I was saying I started to run the scenario of a robbery past him. Okay. And as the evening went on, and we kept the conversation going, I, I then became aware that suddenly he was looking at me like this, kind of going, <laughs> and I'm like, and eventually I went, "What?" And he goes, "Where's this come from? What are you talking about?" And I said, uh, "Well, it's just an idea I've been playing with." And he goes. No, seriously. And I said, no, seriously, I've made it up. And he said, really? What's the problem? I said, well, because this might work. Mm -hmm. And so then what happened was I then started to write it and I asked him, would he be the technical advisor for Standstill? And he said, yes. Oh, and fantastic. so he did. Um, and then when it, uh, God said the, the follow-up is set in America, and when it came to writing about that, I knew the part of America I wanted to go to. I knew the the kind of scenario I wanted to address in that book. And I needed to go and spend some time with some sheriffs in a particular part of America. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to give it away. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and I thought, well, they're never going to say yes. One phone call and two emails later, and I was booking a flight to go to America. And I spent a week with this particular sheriff's department riding along with them Fantastic. in the back of their, well, sometimes in the back, sometimes in the front of their cruisers. And they were just really generous and told me lots of anecdotal stuff. And I, what's more important for me is it's, um, I, I find authenticity if you're trying to be, because while the books are concoction, I'd like them to be, I don't want them to be so outlandish that you just think, oh, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. If I find a detail in a book that I think that's stupid, I it ruins, it can ruin the entire book for me. I'll give you a perfect example. There was a female writer wrote about a, a female bounty hunter in America. She's an English writer and she, there's a scene in a, in a dusty diner in the middle of nowhere in America and she has a row with another character in in the book at this point. And she describes how her protagonist slammed her coffee cup down on its saucer. And I'm like, you've so never been to a dusty diner in the middle of America because they don't There's do no saucer. saucers. Yeah. Also say coffee. And yeah. from that point <laughs> onwards, that whole book. Um, who's What book was that? Do you know the... Uh, it's... I don't. I shouldn't really be dissing other authors. Oh <laughs> yeah, no. So tell me it's afterwards. No, 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 no. Yeah, because my wife. I was gonna. My wife will read these as well because yeah, really. she's. Okay. This is Great. her genre. This her is genre. what. Yeah. Okay. This is exactly what she's doing. But yeah. So so what I like is I like authenticity, and you'll find authenticities in the details. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um and um, so it's very important for me to make sure I get the details right. There's one big plot leap in Standstill that everybody, when they read the book, go. I don't believe that would happen. And uh, I'm here to tell you, absolutely it would. It would happen. Because yeah. I, I've checked it out and I know it would have actually happened. Fantastic. Um, well, I've looked forward to reading this so. because I'm always looking for new books to read. I've, and um, since that we've got the main man on the show, my God, it's, it's a must. So you're a uh, Tarantino fan? Yes, I like I've Tarantino. I've just picked that up from this, uh, yeah, uh, having like, a little read of this. Yeah, so I it's like a lovely Tarantino. dedication in there to your, your parents. Um, yeah. 
dad for the love of Pulp Fiction and to mum for the Hollywood movies. Oh, fantastic. Are there any Hollywood movies that stick out that you watched with your mum when you were growing up? Oh, well, it was there were two very different streams. Obviously, with dad, it would have been uh, John Wayne and, and the likes of that, Clint Eastwood. Spaghetti, my father loved spaghetti westerns. Yeah. With mum, Hollywood musicals. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm... You know, I, I, I've people have said to me, you could be gay. The encyclopedic, <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge you have of classic Hollywood musicals, and that's true. And that's my mother used to make me sit through them. I've seen them all. We watched. Um, I've got Twin Girls, uh-huh. the eighth, yeah. and we watched The Sound of Music the other day. Ah, it's great. And as much as, <laughs> so you should go, yep, that's mine. As, as much I like as I love, <laughs> mate, I love the film. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. awesome film. Dancing. I and I I'm not afraid to admit it. I love the film. I look into the camera. I love the film. Um, however, I don't love what's happening now. The aftermath of my children walking around the house singing all <laughs> the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, when they go to bed, they've got to give me a little tinkle and um, climb every night. It's uh, when the bird comes out from behind the clock and it's <laughs> that's all day today. Um, and I was just like, oh, no, just up. listen, don't let them see Frozen in that instance. Though. Oh, well, they, they've, they've, yeah, seen, they've seen Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Um, Man. They've seen all of those, but I'm I'd, sure yeah, I have. just wanted them to watch. We're going to start watching the old stuff. Do some classics. Okay. I yeah. mean, if you if you if you ever in a conversation tried to tell me Singing in the Rain is not one of the greatest films ever made, mm-hmm. you're never going to be friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the the absolute there's there's just every scene in Singing in the Rain reeks joy. It's a joyous film, mm-hmm. and and it's a great shame for me that films, movies don't really get made like that anymore, where they are literally just about. Wow, you know, it's that kind of that beautiful, exuberant, creative energy. Those films, they, we're all too busy, kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of you know, gripping our foreheads and going, "Oh, is life terrible?" Or, "Oh, I've got superpowers, I'm going to beat him up." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas, you know, where's the where's the the choreography, the artistry, the the glamour of the costumes, the killer songs that you know what I mean it's, mm-hmm. that's kind of it, that's kind of gone by the wayside although I thought La La Land was pretty good I know uh, people are pretty divided about that film but I thought it was quite it was good terrible I've not seen La La Land I thought uh, it was terrible I, I wouldn't have given it an Oscar oh no I really liked it I'm, I'm trying to think really of the film it was against for the Oscar what was Moonlight yeah Moonlight Moonlight yeah. won though Moonlight yeah, yeah, won yeah. won won that um, that's fairly recent then that's within the last five years right is that, yeah, yeah. Is that the one where they they read the wrong <laughs> yes uh, okay that's yeah. the one isn't it because they gave it to La La Land but then they changed it to Moonlight afterwards didn't they was that the year that that happened I'm not sure I can't remember now but they kind of they all they all there's a mix up it all blurs into the Oscars kind of blur for me now but um, certainly La La Land's you know it's closest we've kind of gotten in, in From, recent years to that okay. kind of um, mm-hmm. that kind of joie de vivre in a, in a film but um yeah, no, a musicals, mum, and like really obscure black and white ones as well. Like um, uh, Diana Durbin. You will never have heard of Diana Durbin. I've seen all of Diana Durbin's movies. Um, name a title. Uh, I, I can't remember them. I'm going to pull she, it up. She I... was always, um, she was just always this pretty girl who could sing. <clears throat> okay. And and it was, they were all black and white, literally in the 1930s. Okay, because the only reason why I say that, I grew up on Sunday matinees. Ah, uh, yeah, same thing. Same thing yeah, for me. We were forced. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, forced to watch Sunday matinees. I Saturday mean, afternoon would always be a Western. Sunday afternoon would always be a movie. Yeah, I remember looking at my mother going, why am I watching these movies? These Funny are... Girl with um, uh, Barbara Streisand. Um, uh, things like um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, all those movies. Yeah. Uh, Easter Parade. Unbelievable. I mean... And and that great quote from Ginger Rogers, I ha- I had to do everything that Astaire did backwards. 
<laughs> which, which you know um brilliant quote but Here yeah all those movies so yeah um three smart girls yes there you go um two men and a girl yes um <laughs> it's not what you think it's, it's actually not, no sorry it's 100 men and a girl see it gets worse <laughs> that's even it's, better it's not a specialist website you should, yeah it's your website she, she yeah, was, no wonder yeah, no wonder you like that she, john she was hey? the black and white star of the 30s okay mate. Yeah, 20s and 30s. <laughs> there we go um with your books are, are these anything that you'd want to uh, maybe turn into film in the absolutely, future absolutely yeah I'd, I'd really like to do that at some stage um uh, and and people have remarked when they read them that they say they are quite cinematic and okay. that's on purpose. Um, but also because the thing is that uh, when I read, especially if I'm reading a thriller, I kind of want to be set, set piece, set piece, set piece, set piece, so that you've, I, I want, I want, this in the same way that people binge watch series now where they get to the end of an episode they go oh, I'll just watch one more mm -hmm. I kind of want you to do the same thing with this you get to the end of a chapter and you just you're looking at your watch and on. your husband or wife sleeping next to you and you think oh, you know I'll just read one more mm -hmm. I kind of yeah. wanted to do that okay fantastic yeah because I find there's not many books that have me continuing so it gets me to a point and I go oh, that doesn't really make sense I'm not really buying that and then I put the book down the only book that I've done that recently where I've just continued reading and gone, oh my God, I've got to read the next one mm. is Power of the Dog. Um, Don Winslow. Amazing book. Amazing. And for a while I was waiting for them to um, turn it into a movie, which they said they were going to do it at one stage. They <coughs> sold the rights to it. Yeah, so I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on FX. Mm. Um, They've done a series, and, yeah. A couple of years. But that was the only book I've read, other than these two, which I'm going to read now and I'll probably be turning the pages, where I've gone, this is amazing. Have you read the follow-up? I've read all of them. The Cartel but, and but the But the first one blew my mind. It, yeah, part of the dog's my, grip. Yeah, grip. it blew my mind. I sat there and I was like, oh my God, it's like Sicario, but just a few levels higher yeah, than yeah. that. Yeah, and, and he's he spent, I've met Don Winslow, and he okay. spent 20 years writing those books. Wow. I mean, and, and his level of knowledge which is why whenever all those the um all that debate around the border and Trump's border wall and everything when when that all came up he was very outspoken about it because okay. he that guy knows about the drug trade across the Mexican American border like nobody's business I mean mm -hmm. he's just he's an expert on it unconsciously excellent uh, with the number of researchers and and um, uh, interviews and experiences he's had down there and those books are great Don Winslow's one of the great American crime fiction writers working today there's 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 probably there's two of my book as far as i'm concerned him and then the other one's james lee burke um okay. who if you want to start catching up with him he's on i think he's only on his 40th novel um and i've read them all and he's just awesome he's just amazing okay, no, he, he he can if i could write in my writing career one sentence as good as james lee burke sentence okay. i'd happily put the pen down and give up He's that good. Okay. Well, no, I, I definitely Maybe were looking. So I've got a number of Don Winslow's books, Savages. Um, Gentlemen's Are. Yes. I've, I've actually probably read all of his books other than is it Satori. Which one? Satori. Centauri. Sa Satori. That's yeah, the only one I've, I've not, not read. read that one. Because the reviews weren't good. Um, but the other books I've read. He did a, his first early books were a PI series called Neil Carey, Private okay. Investigator. And that some of them are good, some of them aren't. The best one is while in the desert while drowning. Okay. And the long walk up the water slide. Those are the two best ones. Okay. It's um so when it comes to writing your books, mm -hmm. from pen to paper to being sold on the shelves. Sure. How long is that process? Um, it, lots of authors will will have different stories. Um, to write standstill took me four years. Mm -hmm. 
um, to write Godsend took me a year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it took me a year to write the follow up to Godsend. But obviously now I'm delayed because yep. of everything that's happened. Um, so it just depends. It depends on your circumstance. And look, um, uh, everybody knows the the story of how many times um, J.K. Rowling was turned down. Yes, every mm-hmm. author. Um, will tell you a story of failure. How many times they've heard the word no, um, and and I kind of I I kind of think that my career in television um, is a really good grinding for that experience because I've spent an awful lot of time in my television career hearing the word no, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you do you can't take it personally. Although of course you do because you poured your heart and soul onto eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand words, and and it's taken a long time, and you've cried over it, and you've panicked over it and you've fretted over it and you've been overjoyed by it and all of those emotions. Um, but uh, uh, finally, the most important thing for me is just eyes on the prize, eyes on the text and to think that somebody's had the chance to sit down and I've had people who have read the book, some people I know, some people I don't know who've read the books and come back to me and gone, oh, wow, mm-hmm. that's really, you know, and that's the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. And even better sometimes when somebody says, why did you do this? Or... Um, I've met a woman walking my dog the other day, a tiny woman. She's She looks about 102. And she said to me, you're that young author, aren't you? Young. I was, first of all, I love this woman. Mm-hmm. She told me <laughs> so, you're that young author, aren't you? I said, yes. She said, I read your books. I said, they're you rather not? good. <laughs> no, she, no so this, is, this is the line. She goes, you have to make him nicer. Because the main character is a thief. He does questionable things. And I go, well... You don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't want him to be too likable. And she goes, well, that's the thing. She goes, I like him, but he does bad things. And then I feel bad. I said, you're exactly where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the next thing she said, which is brilliant, point she referred to Godsend. She said, I'm going to lend them to some of my friends, but only to the married ones. Because, you know, I don't want to shock any of the ones who haven't been married. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... Okay. <laughs> Sounds like worth a read there. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was sweet. I'll only lend it to my friends who have been married. The, um, Fantastic. <laughs> what was I going to say? So what's the, what's the process? Because um, I used to be in a music group <clears throat> when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So writing lyrics yeah. and how I get myself into the zone to do that. Sometimes I can just write and just write. So how, how, how does the process start when you're writing a book? Do you, you obviously make loads of notes. And when you're at the, the typewriter or the, the can computer or whatever yeah, the laptop, laptop yeah. yeah is it just a case of just writing um uh yes and no um i i use mind maps mm-hmm. so i i you can buy these they're wonderful things you you know what a post-it notes like yep well you can buy giant ones mm-hmm. that 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 you just that come on a on a cardboard back and you rip them off and you can stick them up on your wall yep. so what i do is i i do mind maps, which are, I put all the characters and then I do circles around them and there's lots of different colours, arrows that show how each of those characters are linked to each other and then underneath that there'll be, the bottom half of the page, there'll be a rough chronology of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do that at the very start um, and then from there, I literally, it hangs on the wall uh, in front of where I sit with my computer and then I sit down and I write mm-hmm. and I've had very I, I've I've had various different experiences with this but one of the things that sometimes happens is that um, uh, characters will wake me up in the middle of the night 
So I literally wake and it's Danny's kind of speaking to me about you've 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 painted me into a corner. You need to change something or this is where I want to go next. Literally, they are having conversations with me in my dreams. Mm -hmm. So at first I used to try and write stuff down in the middle of the night so as not to disturb my wife. But but then I'd read the notes the next day and I can't can't make out a word I've written. Mm -hmm. So then I started to try and do little voice notes. And actually, at the heels of the hunt, I I ended up giving up. And I would just get up. So a lot of these books have been written between 4.30 and 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just have to get up get downstairs, put the kettle on, sit down and get it on. And it, listen, the first splurge probably is going to be rubbish. And then, it's um, working and then you just go back and you, you're working it, working it. I've also been blessed. I've worked with a couple of editors on these books. So, so, so I, um, um, uh, uh, Brené Brown has this great expression where she says her creativity needs midwifery. And she is a team of people who work with her too. She to help her form her thoughts and go through the manuscript at different stages. I've also had that experience and that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. So Katie Foster, in case you end up watching this, Katie, you did a fabulous job on both these books for me. And another guy called David Lyons, who's helped me with um, uh, the third book in the series as well. He's 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 also, and Katie's done some stuff on the third book as well. So you have to have good people around you because at the end of the day, sometimes your nose is pressed against the glass of a book. You can't tell whether you've written a dog or a really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need somebody with that objectivity who's going to tell you, listen, mate, Thumbs you need up to rewrite that. Okay. Well, that's fantastic because I'm trying to um, script write. Uh-huh. So when you said the mind maps, I, I've been doing that for a while. And, and myself and Eugene, we, we made a short horror film in the lockdown. Ah, cool, cool. And then we're now trying to wake up and make another film. So I left a voice note for him with an idea. And as soon as you said the voice notes, I was like, that was me sitting mm. there. Because I used to get these ideas of characters, sure. get a pen, write it down, then look back at it and go, Does make that sense makes to no you. sense. Yeah, yeah. How did that that go from being a really good idea yesterday, mm. now rereading it in the morning, going, that would never happen. But now I've started doing the voice notes. I left him a voice note the other day and he said, yeah, I really like that idea. The idea sounds really good. So we're going to now try and see if we can expand upon that and see if we can now build it into another short film. Is it another horror or...? Um, it will be another horror, but then I think the first thing he said is it sounds similar to Get Out. And I was yeah. like, it probably does sound similar to Get Out. Get Out, the... Uh, yeah, the Daniel... Mm. What was his name? Daniel... Uh, what, the actor or the director? The actor, the actor. I can't remember his surname. No, not him. Kaluuya uh, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very similar story to that, and it's Kaluuya. probably because I watched that the day before <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then had a bit of an experience in Devon. I was like, okay, cool, a little <laughs> voice note. And I was like, okay, that could be... Um, yeah, it could be a good idea for a short film. But it's just quite funny you said that because I've been doing mind maps from the age of 19. I use them for my O-levels. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. That's but, how I did my revision. But what I used to do use, use them for is before we used to do the thing of, you know, you connect the docs and use software and stuff like that. I used to just take pictures of things, mm. stick them on my wall yeah. and then just connect the dots and then just trying to find a way to um, put it all together. Mm-hmm. And I used to find it used to help because I'd wake up every morning and go, okay, yep, 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 boom. Now write it down and go from there. But, but you see, this is the great... This is kind of the the grip belief or the religion of my life, actually, in a funny kind of way, is that is creativity, yeah. and and what I what I'm always at pains to to point out is that creativity. Everybody will have a different system. No two authors have the same process. Um, uh, I've I've listened to authors being interviewed, been at live events with them where they've talked about, well, I we don't do research. Why do we do research? We make things up. That drives me nuts. I get really angry about that. Then I think, well, actually, no, that works for that author. That's their creative process. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of why 
creativity is, is, is a beautiful religion as far as I'm concerned because it literally has no limits. It can take you into all sorts of realms. It, it'll challenge you. It'll, it, it can comfort you. It can Bring break joy, your heart. It can, it, can, yeah. absolutely, it can do all those things. All of your spectrum of experience of life can, can be experienced in this course of a session of writing something. Mm-hmm. Um, or even sitting staring out the window of your tube train, dreaming something up. Yep. Um, or indeed, as you said, taking pictures and then trying to connect the dots. Yeah. I love that. Creativity, and, and only humans kind of do that. You know, that's that kind of is what what marks us out for, as a genus, as a species. Mm-hmm. Because we have those leaps of, 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 of imagination that defy all gravity. And, and can take you, and hopefully a reader or two readers, or two million readers can take them somewhere completely unexpected. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Summed yeah. up there. Um, and when we're talking about turning these books into films, yeah. um, obviously because you've come from a TV film background and mm-hmm. then obviously transitioned you over into an author. So you've, you obviously you've got a head start on where you need to go as to when you get to that stage, mm-hmm. when you put them into production. So mm-hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about that and how it would work and what the process is there. In a, in a funny kind of way, that's a side of it I don't really want to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I've spent my life making TV programmes, I don't really feel the need that I need to do it again. Mm-hmm. And also I'd be really fascinated to see how what someone would do someone with my take. stories mm-hmm. and, and how they would transform them. And I know some authors have had horrible experiences with how their books have been mangled, um, and others have had joyous ones. Um, uh, uh, the guy Dobbs, who wrote House of Cards, uh, said that the the um, the experience of doing the House of Cards series with Netflix and and Kevin Spacey before obviously it all went wrong. Yep. Um, he said was the most joyous creative process of his life. Michael Dobbs, thank you. Um, and uh, so you know, I I I would find that fascinating. Also, the other things, the way that that business works now um, is that the rights, your publisher will will have a great say or, and your agent uh, will have a great say on how the rights are put in front of the right people to maybe make that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and there are big there are big agencies um, uh, like ICM and William Morris who they will have clients, they look after writers, they look after directors, they look after actors, they look after producers, and there'll be an internal memo flying about going, I've got this author, you should have a look at his book, it works for you, it might work for that person, and it might work for that office. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that machine will take over the transformation of your fiction into into a movie uh, or a TV series. So, and I like to think that's way above my pay grade because I don't want to be I don't want to be standing on a set every day. I've yeah, done yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of um, and also, I, I'm much more in love with the process of writing the next book. Mm-hmm. So, I think another example of that, who's the chap that wrote um, Game of Thrones? R.R. Uh, uh, Martin, George R.R. Martin. George R. R. Martin. And the final series of that, the final season of that, kind horrendous. of went a little bit was it was nothing to do with his Because he's still yeah. not finished the final. He hasn't, has It he? was horrendous. They should have stopped it. As soon as the stuff happened with Kevin Spacey, they should have just said, you know what, we're going to just... Oh, House of Cards? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about Game of Thrones. Oh, I've, I don't... Have you seen Game of Thrones? I've watched four episodes. Four, four... Which four episodes? The first four, or just no, some no, random no, they're ones? just they're not in order. So it's yeah. like I've watched. You just uh, dipped in and out. Yeah, it just it, for me, it felt like soft porn. Well, and uh, I just couldn't. Mm. 
I couldn't. I think that's harsh. Yeah, maybe yeah, like a weird. Episodes that you're watching. Oh no, it's. Um, I loved it again. He's done it again. Polarizing. Oh my god! But it just looked like soft porn with sword play, and I was like, either give me one and dragons. The... Don't forget the dragons. dragons. Sorry, but just give me one or the other. Don't give me. Uh, but a this mix is up of this. Give what me life was like. Is... <sighs> Minus the dragons. Oh no 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 no! Vikings. That's another conversation. So, um, so I watched Vikings. Vikings was awesome. Yeah, I've not done that series. Oh. I quite like to do that. So the first four yeah, seasons, it's amazing. Amazing. Too. Then it lost its way. But that's what happens with most... Um, um, TV series? Yeah, or? they lose their way. I think it's the first couple of seasons are really, really good. And then they lose their way. I don't know anyone, uh, any one series I can name straight off the top of my head where it's continued all the way to the end where I've gone... The Wire? That lost its way. Mad Men? Uh, that Mad lost its way Mad as well. Mad Men lost its way. I think yeah, it lost its oh. way. There, is, there are three books, um, Viking Dawn, Viking Sunset, and what's the other one? I read them as a kid, okay, and uh, um, they were the first proper novels that I read, um, and uh, I was always inspired. And I'd seen the the um, Tony Curtis and Kirk Douglas movie Vikings, which, if you haven't seen, features an awesome axe fight on the roof of a building. It's brilliant. It's a cracking film. If you seriously, if you've not seen Vikings with 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 Tony Curtis and Kirk Douglas in, it's awesome mm-hmm. i think um, i've seen half of that ernest borgning's in it as well right? i've seen half um of that. but those books viking dawn um viking sunset what was the middle one viking sword or something like that um they, they, they're still available now okay. and uh, even though they're kids books they are awesome, awesome. great read and I'll historically quite accurate okay yeah i'll give it i'll give it a try um where would you think your would your books lend themselves to a Netflix TV series or I think they I think they'd do better as a series rather than as yeah. a movie yeah. okay I think they would there's, a, there's I mean I don't know how long it's been maybe let's say the last five years mm-hmm. there's been a huge transition from big budget films to big budget TV TV yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're making an awful lot more content absolutely and there's so much high quality stuff yeah. out there that you just you don't know where to start or, yeah. or what to look. Is there anything? For we are the the Americans reckon we are in the golden age of television at the moment. No, I agree. I think that I think we are not not the television we have to suffer in this country. I mm. think, it's, but it's the likes of yeah. the Amazon Prime series, the Netflix, the HBOs, um, Showtime, Stars, FX. Yeah, yeah. There, there there is some some majorly quality television. But even with the pandemic now, that's going to even more push Love that course. Because yeah. even the whole James Bond film that was supposed to come out this year, and I was like, oh my god, it's going to come out. And then I was reading somewhere that Netflix are, are trying to see if they can get it to be released right, on Netflix yeah, rather than going rather for the cinema, the which cinema. makes sense. For me, it makes sense. Yeah, Sky are doing that as well, aren't they? They're going to take yeah. a massive hit on the amount of money that they've, they've invested in the film, mm-hmm. but it will get to the audiences fairly soon, you mm-hmm. know? And I can see I that. I don't happening. think that deal, I, I can't see that deal ever being made. Okay, so uh, too uh, much uh, money. Uh, Eon Productions, just there's, just, there, there's too, many, too many commercial deals riding off the back of that film. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, everything from. The watch sponsorship to the clothes to the mm-hmm. cars to the to the to the, to the, to the okay. Yeah. Is, um, two commercial activities. Well, before you go yeah. into that one, what's your thoughts on Tenant? Um, is it Tenant? Tenant, yeah. Tenet. Uh, uh, Nolan. Uh, um, five really great big set pieces strung together with a plot that makes no sense fantastic. and a sound mix that uh, that he should be shot for because fantastic. you can't hear a quarter of Branagh's dialogue. I say fantastic because that's how I thought when I came out of it. I was watched it with someone and they were like, oh, it was amazing. And I was like, 
Uh, Set pieces were amazing. I mean, like, visuals were, were, were beautiful. Oh, they were beautiful to look oh, beautiful, at. Beautiful, but and, it, it was know, just too loud. And, uh, a backwards car chat. And, and also, fantastic. I think the casting as well was wrong in terms of you had uh, Denzel Washington's son paying the lead. Yeah. And I just felt he, because maybe because of the, the way they shot it. It was boring. It. He was bland. And he was just too short. For the, the leading lady, and I just felt it just she looked six foot one. Well, and Elizabeth looked... Debicki's a yeah, she's she's pretty... is she a model or yeah, something? Yeah, she's a willowy model. I thought type, so, yeah. and he looked five foot five, and I was like, I don't really believe just... that he's supposed to be the leading man. It just didn't um, really work out. There was a oh, what's the Tom Cruise ones called? Um, uh, Mission Impossible. No, 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 not Mission Impossible. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. That was uh, good. At Edge of Tomorrow. That plays, was really good. I think they're doing uh, number two of that. It's almost James Bondish. Um, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. <laughs> so yeah. my, my wife reads the Jack Reacher books. Lee Child. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the reason I, I said that is because of the uh, you were saying about the casting, because apparently Jack Reacher was like six foot. Six foot. But I think he four. was good in that. Yeah, no, but that's Jack Reacher in the books is six foot four. Yeah, but I think he was actually good in that. Cru- film. But listen, Cruise is divisive. <clears throat> what you have to remember about Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise is a good old fashioned movie star. If you put his name above the title, people will buy tickets. It doesn't matter what yes. the film is, mm-hmm. right? And, and I mean, I've heard Lee say this. Lee Child has said there are millions of reasons why I said yes to Tom Cruise being Jack Reacher and all of them have the Queen's head on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and the other one he said is he said, um, uh, people get upset about Tom Cruise playing Jack Reacher, but I don't mind because I can, I know, whereas I live in the beautiful apartment that that bought me. There you he go. lives in an apartment that overlooks Central Park. Oh, fantastic. But no, Jack Reacher was good. I enjoyed that. The, the second one lost this way, which which is always going to be they the case. They did that stupid thing in the see. And when I go back about one thing can ruin an entire experience, either a book, a movie, a TV show. They did that stupid thing where he had the face off with one of the main hench guys, and they're both pointing guns at each other, and then they put the guns down, and he does this. Yeah. And he's just thinking, no. God's in real life, well, I always think that in um, James Bond when he gets caught, yeah. it's done. That's yeah. the end of the film. Yeah. Could be ten you... minutes in, fifteen minutes in, you've got him. This is James Bond. Deal with it. I don't you know? like. You see, I don't like the Daniel Craig James Bond. Oh my gosh, we were friends for a bit. We were Romans. He's my um, countrymen. He, why does he walk through every film like this? Pouting. He's, he's got that Coming Instagram out the duck pipe going see, on. For me, the, the order of um, best Bonds goes: uh, Sean Connery, Sean Connery, Sean Connery, then Sean Connery, then no, Sean, no, Connery. Sean. <laughs> Sean Connery first, and maybe George Lazenby. And then, well, George, my dad had a thing for George because he was like, if he would have um, just Kept going, yeah, and acted right and didn't go Billy Boggs on it and and and, and kind of go, um, I'm the man now. He could have been a Bond for a number of years and done really well. But, that um, film's but, really good. No, it's awesome. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. But really for me, it, the order it goes, it, it goes um, Sean Connery, Daniel Craig. And then How many Rosalind. did Roger Moore do? Oh, too many. Yeah, you do too many. But they were really... In a safari suit. In a safari <laughs> suit. But they were quite camp as well. Yeah, oh, it's... dreadful film. <laughs> the way they were filmed, very... So- yeah, I can see that. I mean, but the funny thing never is... Never say never again. You sit through Never Say Never Again and then... Go to the hospital because your eyes will be bleeding. See, I don't mind. I grew up watching The Saint. So for me, Saint was kind of very much James Bond without being James Bond. You watch The Saint? I'm, I'm aware of it, yeah. So it was very much of, this is James Bond, but we're not saying James Bond. Uh, and then you got the James Bond again. And you're like, hey, hey, there you go, Roger Moore's here. And that was fine. So for me, it was a bit playful and a bit camp. I think, but, um, but it was okay. The next James um, Bond. It's not uh, going to be a black guy. It's a black lady. Oh, no, please. Well, she's a double O. She's, she's a, a double, double Yeah, so she's not, yeah, she's not James Bond. Yeah, but, but 
no, the continuation. Yeah, the continuation. <laughs> so they're not going to completely flip the switch. Something happens. Challenge Bond. Something yes, happens, yeah. and then uh, she comes in. See, I don't think I would. I'd be happy with that because I know for a, for a while they they banded around the name of uh, Idris Elba being James Bond, and I thought, why would you change it? You know, I've read the books. Because pe- me, people ask for change. It's revisionism as well, isn't yes. it? Yeah. We well, why do we need to do that? Couldn't we have Idris uh, Elba play? Um, I don't know, I'm thinking of the name, but another guy who could be similar to James Bond, but not James Bond. Is it a bit like saying Angelina Jolie's going to play He-Man? Yes. Well, no, this, um, in the... Is she playing He-Man? No, 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 in the... <laughs> the su- I made that up. The okay, super, it's not a rumour. The superhero, like, oh in the superhero universe, yes. Yes. they are now... A women's Avengers. They're having a, Right, okay, so in Endgame, I don't know yes. if you've seen Endgame, right? So there's a scene where it's all of the female um, yep. superheroes. Yes. And there's 20 of them, 15, 20 of them all lined up. And it's amazing. And that's going to be the next, that's going to be the next iteration. But they're now going, yeah, full steam ahead with all of the women. So they've got She-Hulk. 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 And uh, Love and Thunder, which is Natalie Portman. And the, and we're doing, um, they've already done, um, what's her name from Avengers? The Hit Girl. Hit girl. Yeah, she's, uh, a, she's Black a, Widow. Oh yeah, yeah Black, Black Widow. Widow. Sorry, Black yeah, Black Widow. But they, so they're they're specific. Um, they're fe- they're written as female characters. You know, but something yeah, something that I've read is that they're going to transition some of the the male characters. They're going to kill them off and bring them back as women. Why? Because the people have asked did for that, it. Though. The comics did do that in some instances. Yeah, so there's a it's a big old universe. This is someone who watched uh, Ghostbusters recently. The the, the I watched are, the new one. Yeah, that was horrendous. And they're movie. remaking that as well. I think. Yes, Again? they are. Yeah. 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 Why? With the kid Finn Wolfhard from um, uh, Stranger Things. But what happened to yeah. creativity? You you had a, a you went on your high horse well, with creativity. Why, the, why are we not just saying, hey, let's let's get some budding directors like Mike, hands up here, um, and we let those guys flow with those ideas? Because unfortunately, entertainment is a it's it's a creative uh, business, but it's also a business. Well, of course, and to make so money. You have corporations that 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 want to excise the risk from their investment. But most mm. of those times, not most of the times, but most of those films do bomb. That's the problem. So for me, you, you're losing Except that. Except they in- don't, because what happens is they, they take on a life of their own on VOD, video on demand, then they end up on crummy TV channels playing for the rest of our lives. And every time they get screened somewhere, somebody makes a thousand bucks. So, you know, it's they pay for themselves in the long run. Critically, they'll be lambasted. Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, you know, it, it is a business at the end of the day. And and that's another reason, going back to you asking about would I want to be involved in the process? Of, I wouldn't because all of that money tension against the creativity, I, I, I'd i be like Lee Child. I'd be like, yeah, show me the queen's head so you can do whatever <laughs> you like, um, which I know is a bit shameless. But I wrote the books. Yeah, that, that Nobody can take that away from me. They can't change that. If you want to know what Danny Felix is about, go it's to the there. books. Yeah, I want to know what there. Danny L. Felix is about. So, yeah, you, they give them, uh, well, they can let them give you some money and then they can change it to Danny L. We'll Felix. see what it's here. Yeah, we'll see what it's like on the, on the flip side. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. You, you never know. Um, what do you think about, she's talking, we're talking about the quality of the films there. Um, obviously, we're in the UK. We've mentioned the BBC. What do you think about this, the whole everyone's calling for the TV license to be scrapped in the UK because of the quality of productions. Um, uh, I have very strong feelings about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll tell you, if you scrap the TV license, you're effectively scrapping the BBC. Yep. If you scrap the BBC, then 
freedom of information and press and journalistic standards and indeed broadcasting standards in this country will plummet Mm -hmm. and will be damned to television the likes of which Americans have been putting up with for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, It's simple as that. It's, it's, you know, um, Tony Blair's government warred with the BBC. The Conservatives have always warred with the BBC. Um, What people forget is the BBC is actually an arm of the civil service. It is a public body. We own it. Um, And if that means that spending a few quid on it every year means I get a certain level of uh, journalistic uh, integrity Mm -hmm. and I get a certain amount of um, national institutions being reflected back to the audience, then that's a price worth paying. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I would be nothing. Uh, I would not be able to write these books and have the creative thoughts that I have if I hadn't grown up watching Morecambe and Wise, mm-hmm. Porridge, yeah. um, uh, Kenny Everett's show, uh, listening to BBC Radio 1, uh, listening to, watching the news, uh, the, the even things like the documentaries, I even used to watch bits of the sky at night, for God's sake. You know, it's just oh, still, it's still a window it. onto our world that cannot be lost for the generations to come. Mm-hmm. Can't be. Fair enough. Yeah. I take that. I take that. I take that. I take that. I think, um, mate, this has been fascinating. I've absolutely loved this. Um, That's you, I'm fanboying. <laughs> I'm fanboying. It's, um, Bless your heart. I know. Make me. Um, but now that's called politics. Mm. We were talking about before we started. Uh, before we oh, came on, on quickly because we, we've got Get 10 in. minutes, we've we've got, got 10 we've minutes got left. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. I want to know your views. We've got Donald Trump and we've also got well, Joe Biden. Um, people often always talk about American politics and they ask why. And I'm, I'm kind of with the opinion that whatever happens over there slowly trickles over here. Over here. Well, the expression used to the be... The 51st state. It, yeah, it, it, the expression used to be if America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. Yeah. Now... That's maybe not. Maybe. Is that not what just happened? Well, <laughs> I find on this occasion it was China. Well, uh, yeah, but who, uh, who siphoned the money over to China? Well, I, but Ooh. also, I mean, the thing is that here's my take on it. We, there is a certain amount of me that believes. Okay, I'm going to go back a, f- a step further. There's a brilliant line in a film called Angel Heart that stars Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro. And, and Rob, uh, Mickey Rourke plays a down at heel private detective hired by uh, Robert De Niro to find someone, purportedly to find someone. Um, and it turns out basically that Robert De Niro is playing the devil. And there's a brilliant line in it where he's having a discussion with Mickey Rourke and he says, Do you know, Mr. Angel, because that Mickey Rourke's character is called Johnny Angel, he says, Do you know, Mr. Angel, uh, there is just enough religion in the world to make men hate one another but not enough to make them love and I love, I remember uh, uh, Alan Parker directed the films from, from a book by William Hewersberg and I remember when I saw it at the time I thought that's just amazing what a brilliant one line that kind of captures my experience of religion growing up in a, in a religiously conflicted place in Northern Ireland I would expand that thought out to politics now and what I would say is that 
one of the things that we are very good at is forgetting each other's humanity. Yep. I don't care if you're a migrant on a beach trying to get across the channel in a dinghy. I don't care if you're somebody who's still dealing with cancer that you caught because Chernobyl went nuclear on mm -hmm. us. I don't care if you're an Argentinian that believes the Falklands are theirs and not ours. I don't care if you're an Irish Catholic who believes that it should be United Ireland tomorrow and damn anybody who gets in the way of it. What I do care about is in all of those experiences, we have capacity to forget we are all humans. And until we get leaders who keep reminding us of our humanity and of our collective experiences and our collective responsibilities to each other and to the planet, then we are going to just continue fighting amongst ourselves and denying each other and denying dignity to each other. And at the end of the day, that will contribute to our downfall. Mm -hmm. um, and so politics is really important, especially whenever we are crying out for better leadership. Mm -hmm. Nail on the head. Yeah. You summed it up nicely. I think um, scary times at the moment, really, with everything that's happening. And of course. With the people that are in charge, it's... Um, Sometimes they sound stupid, but I know they're not, which is the scary thing. And they don't do themselves. They do themselves great disservices every mm -hmm. time they open their mouths. I mean, there are there are a couple of leaders there poking their heads above the parapet. I like Jacinda Ahern. Um, I'm intrigued by um, uh, uh, the lady in Scotland whose name now completely goes to the back of my head. Um, um, Sturgeon. Jimmy Cranky. <laughs> Jimmy huh? Sturgeon. <laughs> Sturgeon, right, okay, sorry. Um, uh, I'm intrigued by her. I'm intrigued by her. And she's, she's, she's stuffed some things up recently. But, but she's done a fairly good job, hasn't I, she? Well, she's made a fist of it. And there, um, Leo Varadkar, who, who was until recently the Irish Taoiseach, which is the Irish PM, yep. he's fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, I mean, look, Ireland, the most, the most repressed Catholic country backwards really behind the curve in terms of uh, um, uh, lifestyle and, and people's attitudes to lifestyles then they out of nowhere a gay of Indian extraction uh, uh, prime minister whoa well, that's fantastic and he's smart as a whip as well mm -hmm. so you know there, there, there are there are leaders that are starting to bubble through if they can punch through on a wider scale and begin to drag the rest of us up with their bootstraps, that would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Really yeah. interesting. Time for change. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I hope so. What? I don't know. In the meantime, read books. In the meantime, Even read books. Even if they're books. not mine, read books. Read books, educate yourself. So, yeah, just, um, again, so it's these books, J.A. Marley. Uh, first book's called Stand That's Still. Awesome. Um, Godsend is the, the second or second, the third? Yeah, uh, Godsend is the second book, yeah. and the third is. Uh, you haven't titled it yet. I have yeah, got a title. Oh, you have. It's, it's you not published. Yet. Oh, okay, it's not published. I'll yet. tell you what. I'll give you. A different, there you go. I, I'll give you a different exclusive. The my, the fourth novel that I'm working on at the moment is not a Danny Felix book. It's set against the backdrop of the hunger strikes in Belfast yeah. in 1981. And um, it's a series of books, though, called The Planted Series. If you know your Irish history, you'll know why it's called that. And the title of the first one is A Long Walk to Shelter. A okay. Long Walk to Shelter. Heard it here first. There you go. That's an exclusive. That's, an exclusive, That's our first yeah, exclusive, isn't exclusive. it? No, it is. We're, hey? Yeah, we're going places. We are going places, we're going mate. places. I've um, enjoyed it, guys. Thanks very much. No, no, thank you so much. It's, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant, mate. I can't thank you enough. It's... Um,
epic. Enjoyed, really enjoyed speaking to you. Say again, sorry. Change your football team. That's all. Oh my! So can we just edit that, John? This has been a terrible car podcast. Um, I'll I'll pay for your travel back. Uh, thank you. We're gonna wrap up, John. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you. Massive thanks as always, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, today. Leon. Yeah, there um, you go. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, that's been the Year Buddy Podcast. Yeah, I'm buddy. Mike. I'm Johnny. Bye.